Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. I've known Lisa Hendy for a long time. Uh, we're fellow authors with Ave Maria Press, and she has a new book that she just came out with, Paraclete Press, and it's a children's book, I Am a Saint in the Making. Lisa is the founder of CatholicMom.com and is a best-selling author and has journeyed around the globe to hear and share messages of hope and encouragement. Her Chime Traveler series by kids is read and studied worldwide in homes, schools, and churches, and is a frequent TV and radio guest. Welcome to How They Love Mary, Lisa. Oh, thank you so much, Father. It's great to be with you. And I have to tell you, I love the name of your podcast. It just makes me smile. Yeah, so it, that's great. And uh, it's actually in the back of my mind, I want to write a book one day of called How They Love Mary and just do different profiles of individuals and their Marian devotion. So so that's how the podcast came to be as a way to to segue one day into a book. Your, your new children's book, I'm a Saint in the Making. I was very excited to see this book, this title, and that it's coming up out now because, of course, we have All Saints Day that's coming up. And just a few days ago, uh, there was the beatification of a teenage uh, young man, uh, Blessed Carlos Acutis. And it seems that on social media, the story of Blessed Carlos has taken the, the world by storm, at least the Catholic world. People are in love with this teenage boy and kind of the witness that he gave to living his faith. He died at the age of 16 from leukemia. And really, his story is one that is phenomenal in the sense that he was a saint of this millennium, uh, a blessed on the way to sainthood. He played video games. He loved Star Wars. He played Pokemon. He designed a website. He's really a, a great saint. And we told his story this past uh, class that we did for confirmation. And a lot of the students were just really enthralled by his story. And that's the realization when we have the saints and their stories that they inspire us and they help us to realize that we are saints in the making. And I guess what inspired you to write this book? Well, I, I concur with you that um, Blessed Carlo is just like the most amazing witness, especially for, you know, not only the young, but those of us who want to look at somebody who's a little bit but like ourselves, and that gives us hope, you know, on our own journey that maybe, maybe those of us who are computer geeks or who love video games or who are just everyday people that there's hope for us. I, I, this message was really born in my heart a few years ago. For the last few years, I've been traveling around really since 2014, doing a lot of school and parish visits with young people. And when I visit with them, one of the constant messages that I share is this call that we're all called to be saints in the making, that we aren't there yet, um, that as imperfect as we are, God has a unique and a remarkable mission for us, and that he's equipped each of us to kind of serve and love the world around us in our own way. So when this opportunity came to do this book with Paraclete, really, it just poured out of me because I've been I've been talking about this in the same way that you mentioned, you know, maybe someday I'll do a book on how they love Mary. Like I had been this, the seeds of this had been planted in my heart, but more importantly, discussed with children for the last five years. So it really came as a, a great gift to be able to do the book and to put it in a format that hopefully is easy for parents and teachers to share with the children they love. 
Now, you are the author of the book, I'm a Saint in the Making, and it's a children's book. And as you can imagine, a children's book needs a good illustrator. And so Katie Mitchell Broussard is your illustrator. And I'm just wondering, how did you find her? What do you like about her art? How did you enter into this creative partnership? Well, so um, this is my second book with Paraclete. And the first book that I did was last year. It was called I Am God's Storyteller. And the artist for that was an amazing young college student um, who just brought such beautiful gifts to the book. He was not available for this project. And so when the manuscript was nearing finish and we were getting ready to you know, begin looking at illustrations, I actually hosted Katie on my podcast. Um, you've been a guest on it, Lisa Hendy and Friends. And um, Katie came came on to talk about her amazing book, which is called Audacious Ignatius. And it's a children's book about the life of St. Ignatius. And I was so captivated by her art in that book that when we came searching for an illustrator for this book, she was really sort of at the top of my wish list. And we discovered in, in our interview over her book that we have a lot in common, including a dear love for her blessed mother, which you'll appreciate. Um, but she has connections to the University of Notre Dame, which is my alma mater and um, lives in Chicago, a family there. And, and she just is a mom of two boys. Um, in many ways, she kind of reminds me of myself probably 10 or 15 years ago. Um, so I was just so delighted that she could bring her art to this, but also her perspective as a mother. And also she's a, an educator in Catholic schools. So she really knows um, how to reach kids through the gift of her illustrations. That's great. And when we open up the book and we read the story and are introduced to being a saint, that that's our call. One of the ways that we know that we can be saints is we look to the people who are saints. And we're on this podcast, How They Love Mary. And I love that you begin when you say, let's meet some saints who came before us. And you go right there to the queen of all saints, to the <laughs> Blessed Virgin Mary. And uh, and. And I guess, why Mary? Uh, how can people look to Mary as a, an example? Or how can young people, as the children read this story, they might know Mary because of the nativity story, but what do you hope they take away about the Blessed Mother as you introduce them to her? I mean, one of the things about the saints is that they long to have their hearts close to Jesus. And who is <laughs> who could ever be closer to Jesus than our Blessed Mother? She just was, you know, not only the first disciple, but she gave her life to nurturing him. And, uh, and so, you know, when we look to a witness of pure love for Jesus and love for the world around us, she, you know, even um, after she has gone to heaven and is queen there, she's still just constantly calling our hearts to know and love Jesus. So you have to start there, but also Mary's humility and, and that of St. Joseph as well, that, you know, there are not ever going to be greater saints than them. And yet their, their path to sainthood was the simple things that families do around their homes. And we don't know much about St. Joseph from his own words because they're not recorded in scripture, but certainly his example of humble service and love to his family is one that we can you know, we can live that in our own life. We don't have to be a great theologian or write, you know, major treaties to be a saint. We can love as St. Joseph and our Blessed Mother did. One of the things as you tell the stories of different saints, you highlight Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, and what you draw out there is that he loved sports, 
that he the the priest there in the picture has a soccer ball. John Paul II loved to ski. So the saints are normal people. They enjoy the things that we enjoy. You have one of my favorites too, Blessed Chiara Luce Badano listed. And interesting kind of side story. I did a paper on the spirituality of Blessed Chiara Luce Badano and sent it to the Focolari movement. They were uh, working on her cause and they have mm-hmm. so graciously given me some research material. And I sent them the paper and they asked me if they could include it in the documents for her canonization. So wow. um, I have a strong connection to Blessed Chiara in that sense. But she was a, a girl, a young girl, dies as a teenager, bone cancer, but she loved to play tennis. So the saints are ordinary people. Yes, there are supernatural holiness in some of the saints that uh, that we can think of, some that levitated, sure, um, others that had visions. And, and that's how God worked in their life. But God is working in each and every one of us. And that's what the stories of the saints bring out, that you can be normal, you can be holy, And that's what I try to teach the confirmation students. They're seniors in high school. And I'm like, just think about this. These kids, these young people, Blessed Carlo was going to daily mass and praying the rosary. If he could do that at age 13, then what's stopping us from praying ourselves or the Fatima children, they prayed the rosary every day. And if they prayed the rosary as young kids, nine, 10 years old, after Our Lady asked them, there's no excuse that I, as a 31-year-old, can't pray the rosary every single day if these kids respond in that sense. So there's this invitation that the saints, their example, uh, offers us to want to imitate their lives in a sense so that we might, as you said, love Jesus all the more. I think it's one of the kind of sneaky things that we're trying to do with the book is to reach not only the children, you know, who will read this, but maybe mom and dad who are reading it to them or a teacher who's reading it in her classroom or whatever. Um, And one of my great goals in my work with children is always to remind them of their, um, not only their mission, but um, we talk a lot in, in fiction writing about agency, a character's agency and the control that they have over choosing their circumstances. And I think helping children to understand that they have agency, that their past to God, you know, is is uniquely ordained, but that just as they are, they can make great choices um, that'll lead them ever closer to God. And, you know, that we can mess up and make mistakes, um, but God's forgiveness is always there. And, and it's in those little things that we do, the little choices to pray. We talk in the book about being prayer champions and role models. And, you know, they can do that and they do do it for us. We look at children in our lives and often their hearts are so pure and they love God so much that it inspires us. I'm sure you as a priest, you know, you have the great gift of giving first communion to children. Have you ever seen someone who loves Jesus more than, you know, a first communicant on the day that they receive the Eucharist for the first time? It's amazing. It is. It truly is. And with the pandemic, I felt so bad that we had to delay first communion. And as soon as the restrictions were lifted, that was one of the very first things that we did as a parish. And we did it all in one weekend. We had special masses so that we could bring our, our families together and celebrate that sacrament. Some of the kids actually, they they expressed how, how sad they were that they weren't able to receive Jesus, that they were looking forward to it and, and gearing up for it. And then, you know, it was kind of taken away because of the pandemic. And there was one one little girl I went to the, the party afterwards, uh, their family. Families are in my bubble. They're very good friends of mine. And 
went to their house and she's like, I can't wait to go to church every single Sunday now. And I'm always going to be begging my parents to go to mass. And, you know, that's a, a touching story of a, a young girl who received the Lord and now was just, I, I can't get enough of it is basically what she was saying. Yeah, it, they really do inspire me. I remember my younger son when he was little, like after he received First Communion, he was keeping count. I think it went on for a couple of years. Like, this is my 243rd time to receive communion. It's great. It's a great thing, you know, that they... And, and that's, I hope, a goal for the book is that... You know, any child who picks it up, first of all, we intentionally were uh, made an effort to be very inclusive in the art um, and the depictions of children that any child who picks it up can find something um, in it that relates to them and to their lived reality and, and, and their own path to God. What I really like is how you say being a saint in the making means, and you have paragraphs, you know, different sections where you say, this is what it looks like to be a saint. So you're actually equipping them already to say, this is how you can choose to love God and love your neighbor and how you can respond really to being this saint uh, in the world. Uh, we, we don't need the church to canonize you. People should just know this is a person that loves God, and I know it because of the way in which they live their lives. That's so true. And I mean, many of us know people in our own lives who will never be formally canonized by the church, but we can look at them and, and just know, you know, they rest in God's embrace. They had this amazing impact, often in quite simple ways, um, and maybe not beyond the, the circle of their own parish or their family. But, you know, that's what it really looks like to be a saint in the making. And, and our children are ready for that right now. In Catholicism, we have lots of different saints. Of course, when you were confirmed, you probably chose a saint name, uh, some saint that you identified with. That's what our confirmation students that I was teaching the other night, they're going through that process. What saint do I want to pick? And I encourage them to find a saint that they can relate to, maybe whatever their patronage is. I live in an area where people love to hunt, and so maybe it's choosing St. Hubert. But there are lots of holy men and women whose stories inspire us and I think for me, I've noticed that my devotion to saints kind of comes and it goes. Like I need a particular saint at one time. And then then when kind of done with them, they've made their impact. Well, then I find another saint that makes a, as much of an impact that I need their intercession. So I guess for you, who are some of the saints that you just have fallen in love with? I have, I have an army. <laughs> I have an absolute army of them. And I love sacramentals. I love statues and, and medals of the saints and holy cards. I, I collect holy cards the way some people collect baseball cards. It's like, got it, got it, need it, want it. <laughs> but my, my personal favorites are always my top two are St. Patrick and St. Therese of Lisieux. Patrick, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm the firstborn of a Patrick and my name was intended to be Patrick. If I had been a boy, I would have been Patrick. That was originally why I fell in love with him. But but when I study his spirituality and the way he so loved God and and put himself through so much to share that love with other people, um, I really really love Saint Patrick. I'm very devoted to him and Saint Therese of Lisieux, both because of her. 
um, you know, her work in Story of a Soul and the way she corresponded with missionaries around the world. And she lived her mission in a very kind of cloistered, really a cloistered sense. Um, but she is a doctor of the church and the patron of uh, patroness of missionaries. And as a wife and mother, she reminds me that I can be a missionary in the context of my own um, very small existence that God's calling me right where I am. Um, I love her little way. Um, one of my newer favorites and someone I'm very devoted to, and I'm glad to talk with you about him as, as um, Venerable Patrick Payton, known as the Rosary Priest. Um, I have a great devotion to him and praying every day for his canonization because his call to family prayer is really a call for our age. Um, and his reminder that a world at prayer is a world at peace is, you know, um, I'm a reminder that I give myself all the time. Um, you know, he loved Our Lady so much and he used every means possible, just like you do, Father Looney, every newest technology out there, you're using it to uh, to share your love for Mary and call others into that love. And that's what he did. And so he's very close to my heart. I love Patrick Payne as well. And of course, uh, on this podcast, I've had two different episodes about Patrick Payne. One was when the All for Her autobiography was re-released through Ave Maria Press last year. I, I actually was out in Massachusetts and spoke with Father Willie Raymond in person in his office. We had a oh. little podcast interview. And then uh, I just interviewed the the producer of the movie that that you're aware of, Pray, the story yes. of Father Patrick Payton, and Phil. And in that same episode, because the the movie producer episodes are restricted to 20 minutes, uh, I always uh, or I did a second interview with Phil Kozlowski, who you're probably familiar with. Yes, because he did the the comic book for Patrick Payton. So so our v listeners to How They Love Mary have been introduced to the life of Patrick Payton, and uh, I still need to write my review of the. The movie uh, and submit it to, to the website I was going to write it for. But my takeaway is going to be, you know, how Father Patrick Payton inspires me as a priest. So different things uh, from his own life that really have inspired me in my own priestly life and ministry. When I read All for Her last year, that book came into my life at a time when I really needed it. And I was truly inspired by his example and was so happy to rediscover him again through the, the film that just came out. Another one of my favorites is Blessed Solanus Casey. Oh, yes. And I love Blessed Solanus. I've been, to his, um, I've been to his shrine out there in Detroit, and I was supposed to go pick up a statue. The, the, the shrine gift store will not send me a statue uh, that I want to put outside at our church because they they say that they don't want to do that. It's too risky. I'm like, I'm willing to pay any amount of shipping or whatever. So I was supposed to go and pick it up in person and, and I, I canceled it due to the COVID. But my the former pastor of my parish had this great devotion to Solanus Casey. He actually lived with Solanus. He was a Capuchin. Wow. Uh, my, the former pastor was. So the people of the parish have this devotion to him. And I just happened to have been assigned here. And as I learned more about him and he was being beatified, I, I read a biography about him because I wanted to write something about his Marian devotion. And uh, he would be a chapter in the book, How They Love Mary, if I ever wrote it. And uh, so Blessed Solanus, he really inspired me to pray for my mother who died a few years ago now. But she she was struggling with uh, diabetes and she was going to have her leg amputated. And I prayed every day because Solanus was supposed to have his leg amputated. And then by God's grace, he didn't have to. He went 
on with his life having his legs. So I began praying through his intercession for my mother that she would never have that happen. And by death, in a sense, that was the answer to the prayer that mm -hmm. she never had to suffer the loss of her leg in her life. And he loved uh, Venerable Maria of Agreda and the mystical city of God, and he would recommend it to people. So I began reading it when I would implore his intercession. So he's just one saint that, because of the role he had in that family situation, is one that, that I love uh, so dearly. This I think you see that it's like you light up when you start to tell these stories about the saints, and I think I do the same thing. And I think that's one of the things that for families maybe who haven't been sort of actively practicing their faith or, you know, who don't know where to start with these conversations, oftentimes the stories of the saints are a great diving in point um, because we love stories. We love history. You know, we love the fact that these are real people who faced real struggles. And so it's, it's just a great sort of, you know, point to begin to develop our own personal sanctity. And especially, I think, for parents who sometimes maybe don't have the right words to talk to their kids about, you know, how they feel about God, oftentimes reading a story of the saint um, with a child can be a great, you know, just jumping in point. That's something that you said earlier uh, was that when it comes to a children's book, you are hoping not only to reach the kids, but to reach their parents. And that's what I think any good children's book should do. It should be for all ages, and someone should always be able to take away something. I, I saw a quote, I forget who it was from, but they basically said that, uh, that that's the value of a children's book. And hopefully your book, a saint in the, I'm a Saint in the Making, will help to facilitate so many people wanting to become saints in their own life, to inspire them to choose holiness. I hope so. I, ha I have um, some of the books that sat on my bookcase as a little girl. They've come back to live in my library now. And I pick them up and I can just so fondly remember, you know, moments with my mom and dad reading those to me. I have our our beloved children's Bible from when I was little that, you know, went through five kids and our family. And it's just such a gift to now think that maybe something that we've created can be in a very tiny way can be that memory for a family out there. Well, that's great. If people want to find this book, how can they find it? How can they buy it? And maybe too, uh, what ages would you say could read the book? So what's the intended reading audience? Yeah, so it's really interesting when you ask that question about reading audience because every child is a little bit different in the reading level. Officially, this is like um, kindergarten to fourth grade reading level, but it really depends on the kid. But I'm going to say, you know, it's not a it's not a board book. It has a, a good amount of words in it, so um, you know, it, it's a it's a good read. Um, and we broke it up into a couple of different sections. So you want so if you wanted to take a few days with that, you can do that. Um, but I really think there's um, enough hidden gold in there for a 99-year-old to get something out of it. And one thing, when we go back to Katie's illustrations, there's a lot of little um, sort of gems on each page, things that you might notice the second or third or fifth or tenth time that you read it. Um, so take your time with the art and enjoy all the little treasures that she's hidden in there too. And in terms of where to get the book, the best thing, if you're somebody who's fortunate enough to live near a Catholic bookstore, a parish that has um, a book and gift store, please, you know, 
get it through them. They can always, if they don't have it in stock, they can order it and that supports their ministry. Um, the Paraclete Press website at paracletepress.com is another great place or of course, you know, online at Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And we always ask that, and I, I, I'll say this for Father too, that if you read our books, please, no matter where you got it, go to Amazon and leave us a review. It helps us to improve our writing and to improve our ministry, and it also helps the visibility of our books. So if one of the books that Father I have written, please um, leave us a review. Well, that's great. And you know what? I'm looking for those hidden things in the pictures now that you mentioned that. The very first illustration, it's uh, God has a mission for me. That's the page. There's a mom and a dad and a kid, but the mom is pregnant. And so yep. there's kind of hidden meaning there. I'm a saint in the making. So like we are pregnant in the womb of the church as we try to become a saint ourselves. Or uh, another thing I just noticed on the second illustration, they're in a classroom and there are two pictures. Probably you don't talk about these people in the book, but if people look at it, there's Thea Bowman. And there's mm -hmm. St. Ignatius, so they're probably supposed to be icon images. But if you don't explain who they are in the book, well, then people see them. They're like, well, maybe I should Google who Thea Bowman is, or maybe yeah. <laughs> I should look up St. Ignatius. So these are some of those hidden things that, that you're talking about, I bet. Yeah, and it's it's a hard thing writing for children that I struggle with word count anyway in my writing. I, I'm always over my word count no matter what I write. So writing for children, every word matters and you can't use too many. So we wanted to include some things that maybe would be little, you know, little jumping off points. Another kind of, if you look at that first picture, so this is just a treat for me. Um, the mom who's pregnant is wearing my necklace that I always wear, which is a, a crucifix that was a gift from my husband. Um, and in, in the last page, um, she's actually holding the baby. They're holding the baby that they're pregnant with in oh, the first really? page. So, yeah. go the, I'm going to go to the last page right now. <laughs> yeah. So there, there is the baby there at the is. very end. And so, <laughs> so as the book comes to a completion, the baby is born, and then we are born into eternal life. And so that's yeah. when we become the saint. That's the full picture right there. Yeah. That's great. So, it's, so really, I mean, every single page is Katie's art just is so such a gift. And, you know, we each have our own way of sharing the good news of the gospel. For me, it's it's words for Katie. It's most definitely her beautiful illustrations. Well, that's so wonderful. I'm so happy that you shared about the book. I'm a saint in the making. I encourage people to go and to find the hidden things in here to really learn what it means to be a saint, to hand that on to your children. I'm going to give a shout out to one of my parishioners. His name's Jared. He is a regular listener of uh, How They Love Mary. He always texts me when he's done listening or we talk about the episode. Uh, I had the guy who founded scapulars.com on, and so he bought scapulars from them. So, so he's eating up How They Love Mary, and he's got three kids, and I've baptized, I think, two of them. And uh, so this would make a great book for Jared's family, and maybe I'll get a book for them and give it to them. So as you're listening, Jared, don't buy it. I'm going to send you a book. I'm going to get it for you. And uh, now, uh, one of the things I always do to conclude the, the podcast, How They Love Mary, is just to quickly ask a, a series of questions about your own Marian devotion. And uh, the first question is the title of Mary that you invoke most in your prayer that, you know, just one that you have fallen in love with. You know, for me right now, and actually for the last several years, it's been Our Lady, Queen of Peace, um, which I... <laughs> 
I need a lot of peace in my life. And I just, I think that um, that's the one that for me is a regular part of my prayers. And Queen of Peace, how fitting that right now, we need peace of mind, heart, and soul, especially with what we're experiencing uh, with the pandemic. And uh, it's a good title for us to turn to. There are lots of different sacramentals that people use. Some people wear sacramentals. Other people might carry them in your pocket. Is there a Marian sacramental you make use of? You know, probably I have so many, Father, but um, two that immediately come to mind. When I do presentations for um, students, I often take with me um, statues of saints, and I have this little bucket of the saints that travel along with me, and my Mary statue is always the very first one that I show the children. And then also, we have a um, a very beautiful Mary statue. It's Our Lady of Fatima um, in our garden, and she has traveled with us through we think one two three four different homes that we've lived in um and and i just love um praying in her presence and it's very interesting that we open our backyard quite a lot to um to guests and many of them are not um folks who are um Catholic or even Christian. And she is a beautiful conversation piece um, to begin, you know, explaining um, who she is, why we reverence her. Um, There's a sense of serenity um, about a garden statue um, that often draws the hearts of people who don't know God in their own life. And I've been surprised on many occasions at how, you know, Our Lady draws people to her. There are lots of different prayers to the Blessed Mother, some written by saints, others that are just in the tradition. Is there a favorite Marian prayer? You know, I have to go. I have, I love many Marian prayers, but I have to go with the Hail Mary. And right now it's very close to my heart because um, as we speak, my mother and, and my mom has had Parkinson's for the last several years. And unfortunately, it's really devolved lately. And uh, she's, she's badly impacted by Parkinson's related dementia to the point where most of the time she's unable to speak but the words that she does have are the Hail Mary. And so I, when I get to visit with her, which is challenging in these COVID days, um, she, you ask her a question and her response is, you know, a line from the Hail Mary, which I just think um, it's so beautiful that we know she's praying for us. I've long questioned, you know, um, why her, why she has to take this path that she does, um, that's so difficult. Um, but, you know, being with her um, and praying with her um, and knowing that, you know, we're praying for God to be with us now and at the hour of our death uh, through the intercession of our Blessed Mother. I just, you know, I hope if I only have a few words left, I hope they're the Hail Mary. Yeah, those are very comforting words. I always think about that. Pray for us now and at the hour of our death. And I'll often preach on that if a person was very devoted to the Hail Mary, that just think that Mary was there praying for them at that moment when they drew their last breath. That's what we've asked her to do for so long. And in my own ministry as a priest, I've noticed that when you go and you anoint someone maybe who has dementia or whatever, or they're just at the end of life, they always can mouth the words to some of the prayers, the Our Father or the Hail Mary. The, even one person, one time, they made the sign of the cross, you know, uh, which was just very touching to see that the faith is still a part of them to the very end. Yeah, and um, 
you know, I had this, this is like, could be a fodder for a whole nother episode, but I unfortunately several, well, about five years ago, I witnessed a suicide, um, which happened, you know, um, in a major city. And um, in that moment, um, when it happened, I was right near it. And just kind of reflexively, I began to pray the Hail Mary, I think out of just shock in the moment and also desire to do something. And the priest that I spoke to immediately afterwards I called because I was just so upset and he said you know what what did you do and I told him I just began to pray the rosary and he said that's why you were there in that moment um that you were there to uh to be with that person as they they passed along and it's just it's it's a a simple prayer you know most of us know it and we sometimes casually say it but the impact of it you know just bears such beautiful fruit Lots of people pray the Hail Mary when they pray the rosary. They pray it 53 times in the rosary prayer. Is there a tip that you could offer listeners on how to engage or to pray the rosary better? Something that's worked for you? Well, I'll say, you know, I love praying um, the rosary in the company of other people. I I grew up in a rosary praying family, and we always started every road trip with the family rosary, and we often prayed the rosary together in the evenings. And, um, So if you're somebody who desires to pray the rosary in the company of others, one thing that you might check out is Family Rosary, um, which is Father Peyton's organization that he founded through you know, Holy Cross Family Ministries now, but Family Rosary um, play, prays a daily rosary on Facebook live immediately before their mass that's also live streamed. So if you want to pray the rosary with other people literally from around the world and you're on Facebook, go to the Family Rosary website at 1130 East Side. E- Eastern time zone, and um, you can pray it with other people, and you can also list your prayer intentions there, and they're very faithful in praying for other people. Praying on Facebook, the rosary with a group of people, it's a very moving thing, and I just randomly uh, started praying the rosary every morning at 6.30 a.m., or somewhere between that 6.30 and 7 o'clock time slot, just depends uh, how, how quickly I get going for the day. But I started doing it on Facebook Live uh, from our cemetery grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes and a very beautiful historical marker grotto. And it's amazing to me how many people tune in at 630 to pray the rosary with me. You know, I'm not getting as many as Holy Cross Families Ministries does, but it's just kind of moving to see that these people want to pray the rosary and they want to do so online and they want to do so looking at the grotto. And and I'm happy to offer that. And it's, it's been a help. I'm happy me. that I know that now when I'm awake at 3.30 in the morning, Father, I'll zoom over to your Facebook page and yeah. pray with you. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, how about a Marian scripture passage? So Mary's in the scriptures all over. Uh, Is there something that she says or a story that resonates with you? May it be done according to your word. The moment of the Annunciation, I mean, and also Mary's Magnificat, her visitation to Elizabeth, and this, the song of glory and praise that she gives for God. I I wrote um, one of my Ave books is a book called The Grace of Yes. And um, in that book, I really took as uh, my lead Mary's fiat and how we live that in our own lives and what that means, you know, for us and the world around us. But, you know, Mary had every reason to 
to say to that angel, are you crazy? <laughs> you know, I'm a young woman and what it, what is happening? Um, but she, she gave herself to God's will and in the midst of scariness and, you know, I'm sure economic trial and social pressure and all that. And so it's just a reminder for me when I don't feel up to what God's asking of me, um, that I just need to give myself over to his will. How about a favorite Marian apparition? Oh boy. Well, I mean, uh, so the Irish person in me wants to go with Our Lady of Knock, but I have to say today I'm going to say Our Lady of Lords because I had the great blessing of traveling to Lords with my parents. And, um, I, I just think, um, not only is that such a, a beautiful place of consolation, um, but that there's also a, a grotto at the University of Notre Dame where I've prayed many, many times, many more times than Lords. But um, I just love, um, you know, Our Lady's message there and the consolation um, that people have found, whether or not they find uh, physical healing. Um, so many find spiritual healing there. I, I'm also... Um, increasingly interested in Our Lady of Cabejo. I had the great chance to travel to Rwanda a few years back and to travel to Cabejo, um, where Our Lady appeared, and that's a place of great healing as well. Yeah, you mentioned Our Lady of Cabejo. What I love now that, as you mentioned that, I'd love to get Immaculate on my little podcast here to tell that story. I, I'll have to look oh. up when the apparitions occurred and maybe get her to come on around the uh, anniversary of the apparition. That would be uh, a great blessing uh, for, for all the listeners if I could arrange for that. So thanks for planting that seed just now. Yeah, that would be awesome. There's lots of different Marian shrines. Some are to apparitions or are apparition sites, and others are just devotional titles to Mary. Is there a Marian shrine you've been to that left an impression on you or one that you look forward to going to one day? Well, wow, that's a that's a great question. And I, I wish I would have gotten these in advance so I could study a little bit more. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's okay. I mean, the isn't the National Shrine in Washington, D.C. named for Our Lady? Yes, the Basilica yeah, the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, yes. I mean, I think I could spend a lifetime in that shrine in that basilica and never take in everything that there is there so that's definitely in the united states one of my absolute favorites i tend to love very very simple places too and so sometimes just like a simple country church that's named for um our blessed mother can be a great gift too so um i don't know and Another thing that I want to say right now is um, I've had the the blessing to travel to some places in South um, South America and also um, the Philippines, and I also just sort of love the little sort of roadside shrines that crop up um, where people express their devotion to our Blessed Mother. They're not like these very elaborate churches, um, but you just see the love that people have for Mary. How about a Marian book recommendation? Oh, boy. Well, you already mentioned All for Her, which to me, like if you're going to choose a starting off point, that's a great place to start. Or just, um, you know, the gospel according to St. Luke <laughs> is another beautiful place. And lastly, when you go to Mass on a Marian feast day, like the Assumption or Mary, Mother of God, the Immaculate Conception, is there a Marian song you hope the choir sings? Oh, always Ave Maria. 
great. Well, that's your little Marion profile. And it was great because you had some wonderful answers that allowed us to talk even more and to to share uh, your great faith and trust in God and and Mary's intercession. So thanks so much for being with me today, Lisa. This has been a delight to talk with you and to share with our listeners today about your new children's book, I Am a Saint in the Making, available from Paraclete Press or wherever you buy your Catholic books. And if people want to find you on social media or on the internet, how can they do so? Oh, gosh. Well, my website is lisahendy.com. My last name is spelled H-E-N-D-E-Y, so lisahendy.com, or on social media at Lisa Hendy. And please do. I love social media. Um, I'm trying to always balance it in my life, but I love connecting with new friends. So reach out. And the other thing I'll say is um, if you're somebody who has a connection to catechism class or um, homeschooling group or Catholic school. I love reading the book aloud to different classes. So just reach out um, by email at lisahendy at gmail.com and I'll come read to your kids. That's wonderful. Well, I hope that people will take you up on that offer and maybe I should have you do this for my uh, first communion students. That might be I would love it. I'll zoom into them. It would be fantastic. Yeah, we'll see if we can arrange for that. Well, thanks so much, Lisa, and uh, we'll talk again real soon, hopefully. Thank you. You have been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope that this podcast has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle at FR Edward Looney. If you don't mind, please leave a review of this podcast. Please rate it on Apple Podcasts on whatever platform you listen. Share this podcast also on your social media if you don't mind. Until next time, let's remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless. Mm-hmm.